listening to the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia. We're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And today, like every day, (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. But hey, we got to get focused. We got to use this time efficiently. Yes. I don't want any dilly dallying. I need you to be, I need you to be focused because we made an investment. Okay, Ryan, we're getting the most engaged. Got to be ready to work. Ready to work. I'm here for this podcast and I'm not avoiding saying anything like starting it. I'm just going to keep rambling and say nothing important. (laughs) Should we maybe tell the listeners what our topic is? Yes. What does maximize your investment mean? No, we are not giving financial advice today. That is not what we're allowed to do. No, Um, though we would be very well versed in it, I must say. Between the two of us. I always say like, yeah, um, I always want to talk more about money with clients, but we're just like not allowed to go like into that like category because that's not our license. But Anyway, today we are uh, answering a listener question, which is how to get the most out of couples therapy, i.e., as we put it, how do you maximize your investment in couples therapy? Yes. I think it's a great question. And I- Awesome question. Some of it can also translate to individual therapy, Uh uh, as- as we, I think you and I both know at this point, many of much of the time couples come in, individual work is also part of it, whether it's mm-hmm. with a therapist or not. And when you are making the investment in couples therapy, you're bringing your partner in for whatever you're hoping to solve or to understand more, et cetera. It's important that uh, ideally both of you are on the same page about it. And I don't know about you, but I've heard that from other couples and individuals or even families where it's like, oh, it's like the money and the time. And I'm like, yeah, there are multiple investments. You have to carve out time, especially if you're coming in person or time in your day. If you're doing Zoom, it's an investment of your money. It's an investment of your resources. So not only is this the how to get them, it's not only about like how to get the most of your money or the bang for your buck was the other joke name that we had for the episode. It truly is. How do you maximize all of the investments of resources that you're putting in towards your therapy treatment? Well, and and that is actually like my first suggestion of how to get the most is that um, both partners talk about and get clear that that's what this process is. We are investing into something. Yes. Um, And I'll also say from your other idea, like, yeah, everything that I thought up of what to talk about today, I just realized could also go for individual therapy too. So I think this is like Mm -hmm. just how to get the most out of therapy, but- For couples therapy, both partners going into this with that intention, that understanding that it's an investment process. And I get that almost all of the time, one partner is more invested than the other in the process. Nothing wrong with that. I think there tends to be this kind of like good partner, bad partner idea that like, oh, I'm the good partner because I want to do therapy. And then the other partner is kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to be here. So like, it's a bad thing. I don't know why I suddenly went to a deep voice on that one. Wink, wink. But um, <laughs> who the are idea- you? <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is that, like, that's still cool. Like, um, I always give credit to the partner who maybe didn't want to show up in therapy, but is doing it for the relationship. That's even more impressive. That yeah. it's like, hey, you're still investing, so let's rock this. But as long as both partners, or I think the, the way to maximize 
and get the most out of couples therapy is you're going into it with that intention, that understanding that we're going to put some effort into yes. our investment. Yes. And it, whether uh, we, I think, have made the joke before about spouse-mandated couples therapy, uh -huh. I would recommend, if at all possible, not getting to the point where it's a ultimatum, like we have to do this or else I'm leaving you. Yeah. Not many people are going to feel motivated to make use of their investment if they feel like we have to do something. So whatever you can do to see the positive in it, if you're making that investment, be intentional about the time. Be intentional about being open-minded to what the therapist is trying to teach you or show you or highlight as a pattern within your relationship. And I, I say this to, I, you know me at this point, obviously, and our listeners, I would hope do by now. I'm very into tough love. I share with them, if you would like, like we joked before, but we were recording, if you want to continue down the path that you're continuing down, you don't need me for that, first of all. Second of all, uh, it's not going to be very happy as evidenced by the fact that you're coming in and you're already unhappy or when clients are like, well, this isn't helping or this is, I'm like, what are your expectations? So other, that's what I was going to bring up as well, how to get the most out of it, setting up goals and expectations out loud that become agreements internally with your partner, externally with the couples, like internal to the two of you, but out loud with the couples therapist, what are the couples therapist goals potentially for you? Not that we're infringing upon your autonomy, but we might see something that would be beneficial to achieve prior to so many couples come in. Oh, I want to process. I wanted this. I wanted that. I'm like, you don't even have basic communication skills. We are certainly not going to be talking about the deepest traumatic incidences of your relationship. If the both of you end every argument with go F yourself, yeah. like that's not, we need to have a different foundation and understanding of self and other before we can go dive into what you're doing. But that's the tough part is, well, I want, I don't want to go in for that many sessions. I don't want to do this. I don't, I'm like, then we need to rework this. You're telling me a lot of what you don't want. Tell me well, what you are willing to do. Yeah. And that's part of the colloboration. So yeah. like, uh, sorry, the collaboration with your partner and your couples yeah. therapist. Yeah, therapist. So going into starting couples therapy with this idea of one way to get the most of it is to collaborate, listen to the professional, but also share your goals. Yes. Hopefully you have a couples therapist who's doing what you're saying, Talia, who is guiding and listening and doing that. Um, I'll say like on my end, as an example, I actually have a three point touch of my couple's goals in my intake process. There's questionnaire, there's during our initial consultation, and then after all of that's done and I do my full intake assessments, third time I go back to, okay, what are the goals? And that's over the course of like, again, a questionnaire and then three different sessions. Mm. And that way it's I'm learning the couple and I'm inviting a lot of dialogue with them about what they hope to get. And then on each level, I'm giving like a, a better recommendation so that once we get that third touch, which is really the start of therapy, it's like, cool, I get what's going on now. We all are collaborative and we're on the same page. Here are your targets. Here's what we're doing. And if I've done my job well, I've explained why we're doing what we're doing in what order. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's a little tangent of an example of being collaborative with your goals. I think it's important that there's these like sort of, um, if you can take these into the start of couples therapy, this will be the first way you maximize your investment. The first way you get the most out of couples therapy, going in with goals and collaboration. I would also, um, another thing that came to mind along those lines is when you're looking for a couples therapist, it really does matter. Think about 
the idea that couples therapy is most effective with regular weekly sessions, like all therapy. So go with that expectation. I'll just come in once a month. Do you, I'm sorry. If you went to the gym once a month. Okay. Well now I see part of the problem. I get it. I'm in weekly therapy. I think you are as well. I don't want to out you. I I practice what I preach. And even in seasons where I wasn't making that, I would still do something with myself daily or weekly to be introspective. You have had a, a uh, fault or whatever you want to call it. There's a rupture or multiple ruptures in the marriage or the relationship for X amount of years. And I'm not saying it's going to take X amount of years to undo it. But coming in once a month or every other week at the beginning when we're trying to heal deep stuff isn't going to do anything. It might cause more harm. So weekly or find someone else because I'm not going to do that. I will say that's my stance too. I know some, um, I mean, and also I'm sure there could be certain scenarios where I meet with couples where I'll I'll adjust that. I I can't remember the last time if ever that's happened. And I'm sure some couples therapists are more likely to do that. But when I have couples come in thinking for like, oh, maybe it's every other week or monthly, I do let them know that that's going to cost more money and more time, actually. There's a reason why it's most effective weekly. We have tons of research behind it and what gets you going. What I encourage couples to think about if they're concerned about that investment, because it is expensive and, and costly on time, I say at least plan on your first eight weeks to be regularly yes. weekly. At a minimum. At a minimum, yes. um, by it's normally around eight weeks. You start seeing like some some movement towards these goals. You start seeing, oh, that's what's going on. Oh, like we haven't reached them, but we kind of see the changes happening. Then we can have a discussion. Some couples, very rarely, at that after two months, those eight weeks, we do. I do go down to every other. Like, cool, yeah, you guys are pretty pretty. We're good. Most of the time, what that does is it gives couples those two those eight weeks to get acclimated and realize, oh yeah, once a week is really important. Um, Either way, we have a discussion about it. Um, And just as a heads up for people listening, I would say three months is probably more average for before you really start hitting and feeling positive, let alone like solidifying your goals. And that's why I tell couples, um, like if you do weekly, then six months, you might really be like done with therapy and hit it. Not everyone. And I definitely have couples I work with with years where there's significant traumas in the relationship and or individually all good but um you know if you, if you kind of hit it weekly you get to a certain place mm-hmm. faster and then you're actually spending less money because yeah. you you put it up front versus if you try to span it out it's going to take longer for these changes to take effect mm-hmm. and then instead of doing six months once a week you do a year and a half every other week and you notice if you do the math that's an extra bonus of a lot of extra sessions and, and you know, time so, and yeah. potential regressions and more ruptures. And then what if we skip one and we had to go on vacation. So we're down to once a month. Yeah. I'm, I am very strict and I put my foot down on that. And I, I notice when people pull back a little, if it's not like an emergency or something, yeah. I am like, no, um, we're not going to do that. You will be coming in. And if we need to change the slot for this one week, I'm going to lovingly address this with you. Why are you running away from therapy? Yeah. Or it'll happen right after we have a really tough session or whatever else. Like this is more the analyst mindset in me. And I'm like, this is not about this. This is yeah. because we touched your owl, this hurts. And yeah, it's not going to feel great to be held accountable and to have to highlight where the lot of the pain points are in couples therapy. So how to get the most out of it in the beginning is first, hopefully making sure on the same page with your partner. 
what is the purpose of therapy? Is it to decide to stay together? And if so, how to do so effectively? Is it to address certain repairs? Is it to decide how to consciously uncouple? I've worked with other couples where they'll come in and they're like, we just want to learn how to do this healthily because we haven't had a positive experience within the past. So coming, all of us coming to an agreement of what are the goals and maybe some individual goals that you would like to bring into the space of within communication, my goal is being less defensive or my partner's goal might be being more emotionally available and open. It doesn't mean we can't do both, but I think for me, understanding what are each, what is uh, each member of the couple's area of growth, because that's going to be a huge guidance of, are we making the progress they both want? I, what you're saying in general, I, I agree with is like an important part of therapy, but Mm -hmm. I do disagree that that's something that a couple can like needs to do or has to do or should do to maximize couples therapy beforehand, mainly because I just get that like that's part of the early stages of therapy is figuring that out. I think it's perfectly fine. You can still get, you can still maximize your investment in therapy if you don't know what those are. What I'll say that I'll agree with you is like, if you want to get the most out of it, be thinking about those things and bring them to session. Um, And that's going to relate to some of, like I had three things that I thought about is like when you're in couples therapy, how to maximize the process. But before we even go to that, yeah, Last thing I want to say about kind of like prepping for couples therapy is um, based on the whole weekly thing. Think about um, location of office. Does it make sense to be going into an in-person therapist? And nowadays with online, like what I do completely online, do you want to do that? The cost. Set yourselves up for success by finding a therapist who has a time that is fairly convenient for you to do weekly so that you're not scrambling for sessions every week. And also in a time in your schedule and a place where you can really sit and focus for that 50 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever minutes session is you're doing. So not like rushing, like, oh yes, technically I'm home at 5.15 every day. So I can schedule a 5.30 session regularly. Well, maybe, but that's a really, really tight, tight in between, especially when, one of the things we're going to talk about for getting most out of therapy is coming in grounded, receptive, ready to talk in like in Please a collaborative space. Eat something. I cannot eat tell you food. how many yeah. clients I have to be well, like, here is, I always offer like water yeah. or coffee or whatever. I'm Italian, yeah. so it's a cultural thing probably, and just to be polite, whatever. Yeah. But the food thing, there's yeah. times where I notice I'm like, you are frantic. Like yeah. survival mode, we're not going to get work done. Frantic. Yeah. I didn't eat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I always have emergency almonds in my yeah. office and yeah, this is not good. something I would do every single time, but there are times where I'm like, is that something you would like to avail yourself of? And then it's your responsibility the next time to actually make sure you are fed. Yes, please. Or no, thank you. Okay. Like we have to work through that. Like take care of your basic biological needs and be in an ideally rested space. Like you've said that you're not transitioning from one thing to the next or zooming from the grocery store or any other weird place that I've had people join yeah. in from like, yeah. no, that's not it where you're doing it between meetings and you're stressed. You're not going to be focused on therapy. It's just going to be another thing to check off your list for the day. That's not going to yeah. get you anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So be thinking about that and prepping, you know, pre set yourself up for success. That's one way you get the most out of couples therapy. 
Yeah. Um, the other ones I have are are very specific to like, um, like, okay, you're in couples therapy now. And then how do you get the most out of this process? Mm-hmm. And the first one that came to mind, which is what I tell my all, all of my clients, I don't really preface it, but it always comes up, is just be genuine. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'll ask a question and then they'll, they'll answer, they'll talk like, did I answer it? I was like, I don't know. Were you being genuine? Yeah, then we're good. Like that, that's the number one thing, be genuine. Now, there's a caveat to genuine or kind of like a permission place. It's okay, especially early on in therapy, to have a question or be talking about something and notice, oh, I don't really want to share everything. And there's ways to still be genuine without sharing. Yeah. For example, just going, huh, that's really hard for me to answer. I'm actually really uncomfortable answering that. I'm not ready to go okay. there yet. Not ready to go there yet. Cool. That's what I awesome. my clients. If I, if I talk about that. Because I swear you, we, we, I yeah. have dedicated my life to helping other people in self-development. I listen to podcasts. Like I'm swimming in it constantly. So my level of like basic question is most people's like, what? Like that's the bottom yeah. of the iceberg for me. And I'm like, oh, this is yeah. just the tip for me. Like it goes way yeah. deeper. We so I tell the them surface, yeah. in the beginning, if there's ever something that I ask you, because I'm very comfortable with this, fluent in fact, let me know. Hey, I'm not ready to go there yet. No problem. Or or okay. if it's something you're still processing an individual, I will respect that. I'm not going to force you to go to a place where it's not helpful. However, if there is every question asked being met with, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about it. Just defensive, defensive, defensive. Then I will have to say it. we're not going to get anywhere if there's no openness. So well. And that does link to my second recommendation for how to get the most out of couples therapy. Second is take risks, be vulnerable. That's easier said than done. That's why number one is be genuine. But the second, if you really want to get the most out of therapy, take risks, be vulnerable. Can I add something to the first one? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this might be like the pessimistic devil's advocate side of me. (laughs) Get it. (sighs) Which is what I'm known for, but... (laughs) The being genuine thing, I this is I, what I see when I've done like assessments and stuff in the past as well, is the faking good. I want you to like me. I want to win therapy. Mm-hmm. I want to be the best or I want my partner to be the asshole and me to be the savior. Like there are so much going on in the dynamics that can create either a discomfort to your first point about being genuine or I'm not ready yet. Or there's this false persona that mm-hmm. is so heavily ingrained in this person, or they might have a personality disorder. I've worked with that before, where what I'm seeing in the room is not what the partner is seeing at home or not what other people in this couple's world are seeing. And then the longer we work together and things start to crack and fall away, I'm like, this is the real this is the real issue. This is the real problem. This is the real you. This is the real pattern. Now we're getting somewhere. So there could be like a faking good or some sort of deceit, which we'll talk about in a future episode in the beginning, that yes, if we're working with I- ideally uh, leveled health people that we could reasonably expect and ask for. But the name of the game in therapy is that we might be working with some diagnoses and disorders where that's not easy. And so if you're listening to this and wanting to go to couples therapy, but your partner or yourself is struggling with something or active addiction or substance use or infidelity, any of the things we've talked about before, I want to, I want to give the caveat being genuine might be very difficult. And I've worked with couples before where the partner's like, that is a lie. 
you literally did this last night. Like, why are you lying to the therapist? Well, because maybe they don't want to get caught. They don't want to be in trouble. Like, it can go so much deeper, either to avoid painful feelings or to avoid being seen for who they truly are. So I just want to give that preface because I usually sometimes work with more intense couples. Yeah. And I think that that's all part of like what we as the therapist can, can, can help those partners yeah. get to. Because yeah. one thing to also acknowledge about what you're saying is for those people, a lot of times they experience themselves as being genuine. They're so used to that facade. Yeah. They're so used yes. to putting that on. mask on. It's just, it's just as comfortable as putting their clothes on mm-hmm. that that feels genuine at the beginning. Yes. And so we honor that as the therapist to go, cool, that's where you're at. And part of what you're hiring us to do is to support you and getting down to maybe these things that are a little more genuine, getting more genuine. Yes, it's true. Yeah, 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 exactly. That goes back to the risk vulnerability or like example say, yes, it's genuine that you're angry. What's more genuine is you're scared, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, just as a simple emotional, like, common thing you know mm-hmm. and then getting like well where's that fear come from let's talk about that mm-hmm. um so yeah uh what was my point i don't remember just the honoring what the, you're saying no, that- your second piece was the risk and vulnerability or like take the risk to be more vulnerable and that's yeah. one of my favorite parts in the most precious moments yeah in couples therapy when vulnerability does come out and is tended to and respected and supported by the partner and that's how to get the most out of it is if you're coming in, we've talked about this before with laughter and therapy. If your partner is coming in and you're coming in and you're doing the work and you're maximizing your investment, you're carving out the time, you're digging deep, you're going to those places. It will, a lot of, uh, at least for analysis and psychodynamic work, a lot of your partner's previous selves, childhood, et cetera, is going to come out. We are going to be talking about near and dear topics to their heart or painful moments in their life. And with the vulnerability your partner shows, the best way to maximize it and go deeper is when they share that with you. Or if you're learning new things about your partner, hold it safe for them. Mm -hmm. If they ask you to especially be mindful of something in future fights, oh my gosh, this is why we have this pattern in our conflict because of this, this, and this. When you hear that, the best way to maximize it to avoid having the same argument for nine other sessions is like, that was their that was their activation. That was their trigger. I will hold that in mind. And the next time I reach for the conflict about it, I'll go, nope, I remember what I learned in couples therapy. And I don't need to go there because my partner's already explained why that is the way it is for them. It will or won't budge. And I'm going to move on. Mm-hmm. So maximizing it by using that vulnerability outside of the session also in a loving way, not in a destructive way. That's yeah. what I would say on that. Yeah. And it also point out that risk and vulnerability is just very different for each person. So um, if you're listening to this, don't fall into the trap of then next time you go to couples therapy with your partner, say, hey, Ryan and Talia said we have to be risky and vulnerable. (laughs) Um, And you're not doing that um, because, again, everyone's different. For some Mm -hmm. people, just turning and making eye contact while they share their experience, that is a huge risk. Yep. Whereas for some people, that's really easy and their risks are more admitting some of the really deep personal insecurities they have in the relationship. It just mm-hmm. looks different and yeah. that's okay. 
part of couples therapy and what we as therapists support you in is, you know, validating each partner's different level of risk and vulnerability. It's about getting good at you knowing as an each partner knowing this is where I start feeling risky and vulnerable. I'm going to push myself just one step further, not 10. We don't want to overdo it. And then suddenly that's so painful. It's not useful, but just one step further of like, I feel comfortable talking about this like this. Okay. I'm going to go one step more into, or I'm going to try talking about it like this now. Mm -hmm. And then also getting good at noticing, Oh, my partner is taking a risk and giving your partner credit for, wow, they're being really vulnerable for them. Even if it is as simple as, oh my gosh, they're making eye contact with me while they tell me they love me. And that's a whole new thing they've never risked before. Whoa, yes. that's cool. So that's, that's my I, yeah, other that's idea. Yeah. Um, my, my third thing about like uh, how to maximize, I realize actually isn't in session uh when the three came to mind but it it is the like in between session i think pretty obvious but i still want to label it like to get the most out of couples therapy is don't just do the stuff in couples therapy during what? couples you therapy mean I can't just have everything change with four hours a month but bullshit no. is that yeah exactly take what this for yeah what's the point of this um, take the stuff you're learning, take the stuff you're practicing, take those risk vulnerable moments that you've done in session in the safety of session and look for them in between sessions outside of session. Now I'm going to do another, you know, caveat and a little counter to this. I get it for a lot of couples. This is the only time they have to talk about the stuff. And I get it early on in therapy. A lot of times couples like this is the only safe place to do that. So I don't want this to be taken as if you're in sessions or you're starting it and you only talk about this stuff in therapy. Yeah, that's part of the service we do provide. Of course. But I am specifically answering the question of how to maximize this, how to yes. get the most out of couples therapy. And yes. if you're you know, spending 50 minutes a week on it versus five hours a week on something, mm -hmm. you're obviously going to like get more out of it. So mm -hmm. it's the time thing. really does correlate. With the gym example, if I go to the exactly. gym four hours a month, I'm not going to have any health benefits. I mean, no. it's better than nothing, but I would, I, I, I don't need to cite a study. I'm going to guess that yes, four would be better than zero, but no. it's, if I'm making no other health conscious choices outside of any of the hours, it's not, it's a whole system. It's yeah. going to the gym every single day or moving your body in some way every single day. It's using that to make more mindful food choices and, and relationships with maybe other substance choices. It's using that like it's a compounding investment that you're making similar with therapy. You're coming into session, you're learning and applying tools. And a lot of what I hear from couples, it's hard to apply it. No shit, it's hard. Relationships yeah. can be very difficult because we didn't have a class on how we had in grad school, obviously, but like we don't have classes from yeah. our upbringing. We to have like, classes. Yeah. Most yeah. people don't. Most people don't. Like, <laughs> how to have a healthy relationship. Here's access to podcasts yeah. and books. And some people, frankly, don't want to have to make the change because they like not having to put an effort. Even though they don't love what's happening, they're like, ah, effort. Ah, oh, I got to add another thing to my list. I'm already so busy. That might yeah. be part of why you're needing couples therapy if you're so, yeah. both so busy that you don't take time for each other or you're together too much. Like the opposite can be true. Let's have you apply. Uh, COVID flashbacks. COVID yeah. flashbacks. <laughs> Let's have you apply what you're learning in sessions 
outside of sessions and also with others. You can use the exact same communication skills we're teaching you relationally as a couple with other people, reinforce it. I always, always, always give the example that therapy and therapeutic language are a language. It is a separate language that you have to learn and become fluent in. And in the beginning, it's going to feel maybe like I'm speaking Mandarin or Greek or Latin or some other very difficult but very beautiful language to learn. And it's going to be like, wait, what? Like, what's the word for that in dysfunction? I don't know how this translates. And there's not always going to be an even translation. What would it be like if you started practicing this like a therapy duolingo outside of session? And then when you come back in session, you're using the words, you're using the terminology, which I will say makes it streamlined on the therapist. I don't give the suggestion to become fluent in that reason, but it does maybe amplify, it would be the word, the process, because now I can use these words and not have to make too many translations into layman's terms because you're reading the podcast, you're reading the book, you're doing the work, and then you're bringing that content in, like Terry Reel's book, uh, New Rules for Marriage. There's lines in there about like core negative images, CNI. So when I've, some couples, I've referred that book to them and they'll come in and they're like, okay, well, my core negative image, blah, blah, blah. And because I'm familiar with the language, we can get deeper to your point that vulnerability can be dug into deeper because we now have common language. So it's so, so crucial to do this outside of session. You're not going to become fluent if you do something for four hours a month. Yeah. And also like it allows our couples sessions to be much more effective and pinpoint where couples are actually getting stuck because really common is cool. You started learning this language and if you're practicing it outside of session and working at it, um, then you, then the couples can come in, you know, in a new session and go, so we were doing the thing and we're practicing that language, but then we got stuck here. Yes. Oh, that's what it's like in the real. Cool. Great. Let's take a nice, you know, magnifying glass or let me be able, I can know exactly how to set that broken bone because it's so specific. Cool. As opposed to, all right, so what have you noticed since last week? And it's like, oh, well, we haven't really practiced it or okay, well, then we'll pick up where we left last week. But now we're back in general term terminology. Now we're back in like, all right, where are we at kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and doing a, a, a kind of not starting from scratch. There's still a lot of great progress, but like, it's still, you're missing out that maximizing on a couple session. If you don't do it between sessions to kind of see where, where you're at with your analogy, the language, where you're at with whatever the themes are of your relationship that you're trying to shift. Mm-hmm. And you made and me- yeah, it is hard. Just it like is. You said it earlier. It is hard. Up. If it was like- easy, you want to come to session. Like, <laughs> Or just the book would be enough. It was easy. Just like, cool. Yeah. If, if your concerns can be addressed by a book or a podcast, I love that. I think that's phenomenal. If, if that type of application. That's why we do what we're doing now on the podcast so that people who don't need couples therapy can just listen to this and be done. (laughs) That would be perfect. And I, I actually have feedback. I've had feedback from people who they've been like, wait, I heard your podcast. And because I have three, I'm like, which one? Like I'll just mm-hmm. and they're like the couple one like most of them are like yeah. the couples one in this episode changed my I'm like yes like the the work yeah. is working it doesn't actually have to be speaking of the language therapy is like hiring a tutor like a very specialized mind tutor for learning this language however 
There's immersive things where if you switched your environment and you went and talked to healthy couples and learned from them, there's immersing yourself in pot. Like there's other ways to learn languages aside from hiring a tutor. There's other mm -hmm. ways to learn therapy skills or couples uh, healing modalities and uh, interventions other than going to therapy. And if your partner's not on board, if you feel like it's not equitable, where you're the one doing all the work and they're the one who is just like, well, yeah, tell me what you learned, but I don't really need to do it then maybe therapy or a tutor is going to be the way to do it. We need to go take lessons. We're, we're doing healthy relationship lessons here in therapy. Yay. That's really what it is. And that's how Yay. you get the most out of it, is viewing it with this will work. This will be positive. I will learn something regardless of the outcome of the relationship. Ideally, people stay together. That's always the hope. However, that's not a guarantee. So getting the most out of it by I'm going to learn and, and maximize and squeeze every last drop of juice that I can out of this experience. And if it doesn't work after that, at least you can say you tried. But most of the time, if you really like uh, ace couples therapy, it's because you're doing the work in and out of session and you're willing to make those changes and shift the way you view yourself and your partner. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, that. I think nothing else comes to mind initially. And those are my three big ones. Um, anything else in your head, Let me think. my esteemed colleague, how to get the most out of couples therapy? I'm going, I'm going through the encyclopedia. That is my mind. My <laughs> mind habits. Yeah, my brain divided into like yeah. how to prep and like, you know, yeah. get yourself ready for the process. And then those two really important things, like while you're in session, mm -hmm. being um, genuine and taking risk vulnerability. And then right. also like, as I said, um, what we were just talking about in between session, do the work outside of session too. It feels thorough. Mm -hmm. I think that covers the, oh, I do have one. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I touched on it a little bit, but mm -hmm. the in-between session piece of it, the vulnerability piece, the like, um, what would be the, uh, I don't want to use that. The like redheaded stepchild proverbially, but I don't want to be just uh -huh. like just the, the colloquial terminology of that would be not using therapy against your partner or the therapeutic uh -huh. language as a weapon. It's a uh -huh. tool, not a weapon. So uh -huh. don't don't I would recommend not utilizing that negatively in between sessions of like, well, I'm not going to do like using it as a threat. Like, oh, I'm not going to do this until we go into session next time. Or like, that's not what she said to do in session that like. Uh -huh. Yes, think about what happens in session outside of session, but don't also use that as like a um, carrot on the stick when it comes to it, because that's not the way to get the most out of it. That's yeah. almost a way to ensure or guarantee that if you're not practicing it outside of session, then couples therapy is now going to become a more permanent part of your relationship. If this is the only place forever and ever, amen, that you can have a healthy discussion, then we need to start again, this loops back into please bring this up outside of session in a healthy, positive, constructive way. My goal is that you don't need me one day. I want to become mm -hmm. obsolete. I don't mm -hmm. want to see you every week because you're doing so and well. you wait. Yes. Yeah. Yes. As you, as you're mentioning the idea, like when you're talking about like things like not to do with this in order yeah. to help maximize the process, it yeah. made me think about like maximizing couples therapy by keeping the work of couples therapy almost like a sacred space yes um that the space when you're in session is is there like with this idea of we're we're working hard to like go positive 
mm-hmm. somewhere and change and heal something. And then outside of session, not using those experiences, disclosures, connections in a negative way, but keeping the, like those themes sacred of in, in that we're, we're both trying really hard because we love each other. Like keeping that in mind as part of that place. Now, mind yeah. you, that's because I, 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 that came to my mind because I value therapy as a therapist. So I already hold that. I value that therapy is a sacred space. Also, my personal way of living is by being intentional and looking into subtle themes of manifestation. I'm not in like the full manifestation world, but like the idea of like, hey, I want to be intentional and moving forward with positivity. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of playing off of what you're saying about some of the things like not to do and a way to kind of affirm that is by making couples therapy and the things you're doing in couples therapy, the things you're learning together as a couple in therapy, a sacred positive place um, to help buoy it as you two go through the storm together of the healing, because it is difficult, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maximize it. Let us know. Like I am open to feedback where people are like, I, that was a great session last time, or we didn't get to talk about this. Go ahead. Yeah, I know. That's just a great idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. Another way to really get the most out of couples therapy is update your therapist. Um, here's what's working. Here's what's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure most of us, or uh, I'll say it for me, I, t- I try to ask for that feedback and check in fairly regularly, especially if I feel like a couple's stuck, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll check in. Um, but also um, for for the the couple, you can let your therapist know, hey, here's what's going on. And hey, this isn't working. I just had recently, it was actually probably like a month or two ago now, but I had a partner who, God bless them, because they were just so vulnerable. Eh, there's that thing. And so genuine. Eh, there's that thing. By disclosing to me that they were feeling discontent with sort of like how we were talking about them in couples therapy together. And that was awesome that Mm -hmm. they were able to share that. And we looked it back into a little bit of like the big themes, but most importantly, it allowed them to feel heard by me. Mm -hmm. It allowed us to adjust and allow me to lead in a different way and honor these experiences that partner was having. And I think, from that session, I can confidently say by the end of that session, there was already a big shift in that partner in feeling better about the process. And mm-hmm. then afterwards, the sessions you know, were even better. And this partner felt even safer and ready to do more of that vulnerable sharing and being genuine. It was awesome. Um, and all credit to them for taking that risk and giving feedback to me, the therapist, about something they didn't like about the therapy. It was, oh, uh, oh uh, yeah. That, that, that client was so cool. Rock on you, client. I mean, I've yeah, heard that really too cool. with, certain, with certain clients where it's, I feel like I'm being picked on. And I'm not saying this flippantly, I'm just coming up with a list. So my brain's like, it might be less um, intonation as I go down the list. I'm being picked on. This isn't fair. I don't like it. Like a lot of complaints are lodged, some of which are indicative of how they might tolerate triangles in the rest of their daily life. That's more psychoanalysis. Uh, Some people are not very good with thirds and they feel very triangulated. And I will always, and I don't use that word often, but always in the beginnings of sessions with couples say, there will be times where it will feel lopsided. 
where it feels like you're the winner or the loser or you're the or whatever wording that you will interpret this to be i like you more i don't like you it's it your relationship is my client not just you not just you the betweenness between the two of you is my client and i'm going to highlight and pinpoint behaviors that need to change if you notice week after and i get weekly consultation i'm still in weekly training so i'm very mindful to manage if it's like a counter transference transference thing if i have something coming up i'm very mindful to manage that and there are still going to be times where clients will report well i feel like we talk a lot about what's going on for me yes because First of all, you're the one initiating what we're going to talk about that day in session. You're the one who has more content to share. And you're the one who is engaging in the behavior that is either growing or going away from making couples therapy work. So, yeah, I'm going to call you out on that lovingly. And if <laughs> guess what? You stop the behavior. You don't have to be the main person that we're talking about in couples therapy. Like it's a win win. And there are other times where, like I mentioned, when you bring this up to your therapist, it gives us feedback because if you're presenting one way, but you have another internal experience, we don't know that we, I mean, contrary to popular belief, we can't read minds. So let us know. And what's, what the process is going on for you, because I love when clients bring that up. Hey, I didn't like that. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for telling me that if I owe an apology, I am more than happy to apologize. I will also give an explanation, not as an excuse for the behavior, more so as a supporting foundation Here's where my logic was coming from at the time. Not that it's going to take away whatever it landed as. I think it's important to address this so both of us have transparency. And that's how we maybe have a rupture and repair. Uh, We get to debrief. And then we also are modeling effective communication and conflict resolution skills in that moment. So it's a wonderful thing to be able to address and confront lovingly both ways what's going on in the session and what we think is working and not working. Feedback is great. And yes. summary. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that uh, that that exhausts that question. Thank yep. you for the listener who wrote in on your, those on your Instagram that came through, if I recall yeah. correctly. Very cool. Um, if anyone else listening has other questions that you'd like us to answer, um, feel free to shoot us an email. Ryan and Talia at thecouplesguidepodcast.com. And we'll be happy to answer them. And then if you have other questions, tune in for I'm getting back to doing weekly Q&As. Send them in whatever. They're not on a set day, but whenever I have them, just pop in the questions. Sometimes I'll answer it briefly, but questions like these are great to do a deep dive on. So we're always happy to hear them. And next time is our 100th episode, which is going to be so Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we got a special episode for our hundredth next time them, in a couple of weeks. Can I tell them what my idea was? I told <laughs> yeah, Ryan I don't remember what your idea was. <laughs> I guess I okay. I told Ryan I can't believe you weren't listening. No, I'm just kidding. I told Ryan I wanted to dress up like hundred year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was in like old lady stage makeup, and he's like, "I'll just wear a mask and put it on five seconds before recording." Yes, <laughs> I still might do it. So. Don't I would be delighted. I would I would be such an attractive old person, okay? I'm going to do it on principle. You will be, both in two yes. weeks and in the future as yes. you age. Yes. 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 
Okay, um, and I will always wear a mask. Done. <laughs> there. All right. We'll see everybody and listen to everybody next time for episode 100. Yes. And thank everyone for listening. Thank you to everyone for listening this time. You have to say it. Take good care. <laughs> <laughs>